Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Okay. Wow. This has been quite a week, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a kind of a, well, in today's terms, not so strange week, but uh, <laughs> by what we were thinking five years ago, it's been a very strange week. Yeah. We were going to be talking today about meaning, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that. We'll get to that next week. But um, the, the strangeness has to do with uh, things coming out of the Olympics and also a uh, recent study that was published uh, just this week on child suicide. Um, you know, let, let's, uh, a uh, spoiler for our listeners, uh, neither of these topics is... Uh, uh, very uplifting, and you may want to just sit this one out. <laughs> well, that that's true. I mean, when you think of children between 5 and 11, probably the last thing on most of our minds is that they would be uh, somehow or other contriving to commit suicide. Yeah, right, indeed. So, uh, and this is a, a, a trend that has uh, been noticed since about 19 or about 2011 to about uh, 2017 or so and you know we don't have uh, recent figures but i wouldn't be surprised if uh, covid 19 uh, didn't uh, feed into this uh, as well. well one of the things we do know jim is that uh, particularly in uh, inner city uh, areas with uh, populations that are people of color that more uh, COVID-19 mortality took place in those areas and suicide by children tends to happen more in a family where uh, a family member has recently died. Yeah. Not only that, Ralph, uh, it uh, happens in um, families that are really, really stressed. For example, uh, unemployment uh, or maybe um, uh, neglect or uh, abuse or, uh, like you say, you know, trauma, the, the trauma that the child might experience. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we throw into the, the mix there the <clears throat> substance abuse, uh, which is on the rise uh, in spite of everything we've done to try and, uh, and stop uh, the opioid crisis. It's still with us, and... Uh, Increasingly, uh, opioids are being mixed with fentanyl, which uh, is about 10 times as potent, and people are, are taking these mixtures and dying or ending up uh, enfeebled in one way or another, often mentally. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's tough on children in those households. Yeah. So it's a it's a jungle out there, no no question about that. That brings us to the to the Olympic story, um, and that's the story of Simone Biles. Which you know, you and I have been talking about this for the last while now, and I think we've both reached the conclusion that we really don't know very much about this young woman who has spent most of her um, adolescent life in. Uh, plain view. I mean, you know, in, in society, just, uh, you know, we, we, she's been on television probably uh, hundreds of times. Maybe. Yeah, uh, was a, a cast member of Dancing with the Stars. There's a, a movie uh, made about her life called Courage to Soar. Yeah, we'll put that up 
uh, as a link under uh, uh, Learn More, and so our listeners can take a look at that if they if they want. Yeah, she was a remarkable gymnast. You know, I go back to the days of um, uh, Nadia Comaneci. When I think of uh, you know women's gymnastics, well, Nadia's probably in her 50s by now, and I've never seen Simone Biles, uh, that I know of at least, perform, but apparently she's, you know, fantastic, and yeah. has been a, a gold medal winner many, many times. Now, you know, the thing is, Jim, I guess, uh, the way the story unfolded was uh, she was expected to make a particular vault on, on the floor exercises that involved... Uh, uh, two and a half uh, somersaults and a twist, and she ended up doing something that was one and a half with a twist, uh, which is a, a, apparently a much easier vault to make, and um, landed, let's say, less than her usual uh, grace, and then went off, went into the locker room, came back and announced that she was not competing in the individual events and ended up later on saying that she wasn't going to compete in the team events either. Uh, and she phrased it at that time, for the good of myself and the team. Okay. Uh, and I think at some point, I heard at least, that she said it was for uh, her own mental health, right? Yeah. Now, there's no doubt that every one of us is probably the best guardian of our own mental health. Uh, and my particular take on the, the Olympics is that uh, if you're chosen to be on a, an Olympic team, um, A, you're representing the nation, and B, we expect you to do your best. We don't expect you to win, necessarily, but we expect you to try as hard as you can. You know, I think that the winning expectation might have been there with her. You know, she's won so much, or so many times, that uh, uh, doing, you know, good enough, doing your best, might not have been uh, uh, acceptable. To her. You know, to her, it, it, yeah. It, uh, um, hey, when was the last time you competed in the Olympics, Ralph? I never have, Jim. Yeah, I missed out on that, too. Yeah, I guess uh, somebody thought we weren't uh, at the top of our game, apparently. Anyhow, so she's at the top of her game, uh, and uh, uh, she doesn't do well in the first event and decides to take herself out. Um, well, I, to me, that's kind of inexplicable, like it is to you, because just for you and I, just being at the... Tokyo Olympics might have been uh, the, sort of the, the, the feather in our cap, but she certainly uh, has you know different different feathers. And you know she talked about um, the stress that she was under. Um, she was born in 1997, so that makes her about 24 years yeah. old. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Dancing with the Stars. She was 20 when she was on that one. Uh, a pretty high profile. Uh, show I understand um, uh, as a, a uh, uh, adolescent she was doing well in junior competitions um, I tried to determine whether or not she had ever gone to 
a university, but I wasn't able to see that. You know, maybe she was just a, not just, maybe she was an independent uh, um, gymnast. I don't know. Yeah. She and says that she was molested by Larry Nasser, one of many, I guess. Uh, he's been convicted of, of uh, molestation of the uh, uh, gymnastic team over the years. Um, her brother has well, been arrested for, I don't know if he was convicted for a triple homicide. You know, she, her, her mom had substance abuse issues. She was raised, she and her sister were raised by her grandparents. So, you know, she had a lot of factors going on. In fact, those are all some of the factors that emerged when uh, this childhood suicide uh, study was uh, Yeah, published. I mean, if you, uh, if you ever wanted a, a poster child for somebody who overcame uh, family and social issues, uh, Simone Biles would, would fit, you know, her picture would be there. Yeah, yeah. And so the, uh, uh, having done that, you know, having come through all of this, uh, it perplexes me a little bit uh, why the, uh, you know, the, the one botched, if, if it was indeed botched, um, uh, vault you know, yeah. would have been that devastating for her. Well, I, I guess, Jim, if you are expecting yourself to, to achieve, uh, you know, uh, the 99.9th percent uh, success, and one day you can only do 98% success, uh, it can be quite a come down for your, your view of yourself. Hmm, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I'd take it, but then again, if I can get 75%, I might, uh, you know, go, yeah. go for it as well. Uh, yeah, so if you have really high expectations, self-expectations, and you don't live up to them, to, uh, that could be could be stressful, right? And that's what we're seeing in this case, maybe. We, we don't know the whole story. Yeah, but, I mean, that certainly seems to be one of the factors that plays into it. And, you know, we, we did a whole uh, four-part, four five-part uh, series on stress uh, several months ago, but maybe it's time to generally talk to our, our listeners about stress because the last time uh, we did a talk on stress, uh, it was early uh, 2019, COVID-19 was just on the horizon. And since then, the world has changed noticeably. Yeah, for sure. Uh, not only have we seen uh, uh, deaths because of COVID-19, but you know, things like the economy has uh, uh, really morphed. What's the, they're talking about uh, uh, Delta viruses and beta viruses as being what, variants? Yeah. You know, our, our economy is kind of a variant of what it was in 2019, it seems. At least with gas at $3.25 a gallon. I, you know. Yeah, um, lots of things have changed, many of them for the worse. And part of the problem is that we're getting mixed signals uh, depending on who you listen to and when you listen. 
we could be told if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. Then uh, a few weeks later, a few a few days later, even wear, uh, wear the mask indoors. Wear the mask indoors, and so on and so forth. So, you so know, there's a lot of ambiguity out there, and certainly ambiguity leads to stress, right? No, yeah, no question about that. And part of the problem, I think, to be fair about it, people say, well, the CDC can't make up its mind. Well, I think the CDC is giving us the best information they can. At the time. At the time. Yeah. And that's the thing. Things are changing day to day, moment to moment. Uh, you know, uh, we have Delta variant. Oh, that's terrible. And, you know, then we have Beta variant. Oh, that's even worse. So... You know, if you're in a position where you're trying to say to the nation, uh, here is the best advice we can give you at this time, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you have to understand that at this time means that things w are apt to change. Yeah. See, that's the thing about we human beings, Ralph. I don't know if it's human beings in general or uh, Americans uh, in particular, but we do want certainty. And uh, someone once said, the only thing that's certain is death and taxes. Well, we don't, <laughs> I guess that is true. Who said that? Any idea? P.T. Barnum, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, I, I don't know. If our listeners uh, can clue us in as to who the author of that statement, I bet it wasn't Seneca. Probably not. Okay, no. but we had to get the Stoics in there anyway. Today, anyway, right? didn't we? Uh, yeah. Okay. So... So we gave this all this ambiguity out there, and uh, certainly with Simone Biles, there was a lot of potential ambiguity in her life, which she seemingly you know overcame, right? Yeah, uh, and and that's that's one of the problems I think that we we look at our sports figures in a very idealized way. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Good. Good point. You know, a Matthew Stafford uh, is making a million dollars a game or something like that. And uh, so if he makes a mistake, uh, we're, we get on him. I can yeah. remember being um, at Ford Field, uh, and uh, he muffed a pass. And the uh, people beside me were saying, hey, that pass just cost us, you know, $100,000, or that missed pass. <laughs> people get very, very uh, upset yeah. Those people in the stands. Yeah. I wonder if not having people in the stands at this Olympics is stressful. You know, I think it is because um, if you have a whole room of people who are cheering you on, mm -hmm. uh, I think that uh, in its own way creates pressure, but also it creates a sense of... Uh, Support. Desire to yeah. do better because you can feel the support and you can feel I'm, I'm being I'm being lifted by the cheers of the crowd. Right. In fact, even if you uh, mess up, maybe a an appropriate oh from the crowd would have been uh, motivational for, yeah. for for Biles. So, you know, we have this isolation uh, that uh, we're seeing. In the Olympics, you know, because of COVID, and you know, when we talked about child suicide, uh, one of the factors that we mentioned was that uh, a lot of kids feel a very profound 
sense of uh, isolation. Yeah, and you know, thinking of isolation as a form of stress, uh, many people generally in society now are saying, okay, well, I, uh, I worked uh, from home uh, for 15 months and I found out how I could do that and I felt isolated and I couldn't hug my grandma and it was generally not so good. But now I've been able to go back to the office and work in the regular fashion and I hate to commute. Two of my office mates are doofuses. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it's not good. So you go from one kind of stress to another. You know, you probably had the same commute. You probably had the same doofuses, but you didn't have any good comparison data, did you? No. So, you know, you, you uh, work at home for a year and you say, well, yeah, so-and-so... Uh, writes a, a good, clear, uh, you know, plan, that's good. You get back to the office and you discover, yeah, they can write a good, clear pan, plan, but in person, uh, they're very annoying. <laughs> yeah, right, right you are. You know, I've had in the last week or so parents telling me that they can hardly wait to have their children go back to school where they have you know, a lot of social interactions. You know, there's not that much social interaction in school or positive social interaction. Nowadays, you're more likely to be told to put your butt down on the desk and do the work. Yeah. You know, when you and I had social interaction in, in Mr. Shaw's classroom, it was, uh, you know, tying Bob Doherty up and stuffing him in a closet or something like that. <laughs> uh, you know, not yeah, not well, super positive either. Our, uh, our listeners have to understand that we were incipient little criminals. Jim and I managed to escape from that, but we have several of our contemporaries from Mr. Shaw's class who are currently guests of the Crown. <laughs> the true, true story. True story. If, if they're still alive. Sometimes I wonder you know, why you and I are still alive, Ralph. And our, <laughs> okay, well, anyhow. Um, I was listening to... Uh, um, what was it? This American Life a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they were talking about uh, people who do risky things as children, and uh, uh, the, the the focus was on the uh, psychopath test. And John Ronson came on to the to the show too, talking about the psychopath test. And they were going through some of the items on the test, you know, like did you do risky things or did you know, and you know, we uh, we checked all the items there, Ralph. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that we filled every box uh, yeah. to its maximum. Yeah, we'll uh, put the we'll put John Ronson's uh, um, uh, TED talk on that. And if I can find it, we can put the whole This American Life, you know, uh, uh, up there as well. But uh, anyhow, that's a, a digression. Uh, it's you know, it's stressful to be a kid today, you know, and. Obviously, it's stressful to be a world-class uh, amateur athlete. Yeah, and you know the thing when we uh, when we look at you know particularly our childhood, Jim, because we were living in a small northern Ontario city that was surrounded by woods, uh, and you know when I was um, 
I, I don't know, eight or nine, I can think. Uh, I would say to my mother Saturday morning at nine o'clock, going out, she'd say, coming home for lunch? And I'd say, probably not. And okay, supper's at five. And I'd, I'd be gone for the day and I'd be, you know, in not very far away, uh, three quarters of a mile. But you were in the wilderness. But I was, I was in the woods and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, playing in the, the caves of the sandstone rocks and finding snakes and, you know, there were the occasional partridge still near the edge of the city. And uh, it was in many ways a, an idealistic childhood. But today, I can see why people want to keep their, their children tied a lot closer to home. But, um, you know, we, we grew up with, a, I think, a lot more freedom as young people. And I think that's, that's a useful thing. It, uh, in itself, it teaches you... I'm, I'm going to use a word that might be taken out of context here, but survival skills, just the ability to solve a problem. Not, yeah. a, not a great problem necessarily, but, you know, uh, can I uh, can I get from here to there? Well, there's a creek. How do I make a bridge? Oh, you use two logs, I can tell you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that goes back to an earlier talk when we uh, talked about the story, Two Logs Crossing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you make, uh, you make sure that the, uh, the bridge that you, you build out of poles and, and twine is uh, strong enough to carry you across the, the creek. Yeah, I, you know, it's a, it's a different world uh, out there, certainly, Ralph. Uh, and uh, it's a, a different world than the world of Simone Biles. You know, I think if she w were to listen to us talk about the 1950s, she wouldn't have, she'd have difficulty even understanding, you know, you and I going into the woods. And it's just a, a whole, you know, kind of different thing. Uh, and just as we have, are having difficulty trying to unravel, you know, what exactly happened in Tokyo, um, what about three or four days ago? Yeah, and you know, part of the part of the exercise, and our listeners can try it for themselves. Uh, part of the exercise is trying to get into uh, somebody else's headspace, right? And and empathetically think and feel like they might have at the time. Mm -hmm. And it's particularly difficult when uh, the only interaction that you have is via electronics, and it's a one-way kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I can sometimes get into the headspace of, say, Sheila, or you can sometimes get into the headspace of, of your wife, Karen. Uh, that's because you're interacting. But if you were simply looking at you know, data from afar, that might be, you know, Pretty, pretty difficult to do. And I think, I don't know, I'm not sure what the reactions have been around America, around the world. Um, in my case, in your case, um, we're thinking empathetically of this 24-year-old yeah. kid, really. Yeah, uh, uh, sort of young adult, uh, yeah. you know. Um, I don't know if people are angry, like the fans uh, uh, at uh, Ford Field when... Uh, when Stanford, uh, Stafford, Stafford, yeah, uh, 
muffed a, a throw or, or not? Uh, well, I think I think we've seen a range of reactions. Some some people have been angry, very angry. Uh, some people have uh, basically said, uh, you know, here we have somebody who uh, who is a privileged athlete who just retires, quits without, you know, making any effort to say what was going on, what we what were the thoughts and feelings. Okay. Uh, and other people have been disappointed. Mm-hmm. Apparently your teammates are quite supportive. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and those would be the people who are in a position to know her empathically, I think. Yeah, and, and maybe, you know, the support from the teammates is, is the best judgment that... Uh, that what was going on was real and needed to be done. Mm -hmm. uh, now, when uh, when we look at um, you know part of the problem with prominent athletes or people in society today, uh, we have Twitter. We have Instagram. Ah, uh, you're going where you usually go. You're 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 tarring. Social media with your big tar brush, aren't you? Well, I'm just saying that, you know, a lot of people uh, say something on a social media post, uh, perhaps uh, without considering all the implications, and then they get uh, a lot of reactions, some of it negative back. And if you dwell too much on the negative reactions you get, uh, that's another stress factor. Yeah, right. Well, but in the case of Biles, she seems to have, um, what, uh, dwelt on her own feedback, what, whatever expectation she had of herself yeah. at the time. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, this will, I'm sure, you know, play itself out a little bit, a little bit more or, or you know, a lot more. But uh, I think your, your point, Ralph, is that, uh, um, what was your point? Well, I guess my point is that uh, basically, uh, I think a lot of people spend too much time on social media, particularly things like Twitter and, and Instagram, and they, uh, they react as if anything that was said there was real. Aha, uh -huh. okay. And, and you know, in, in many ways, I suppose it is, but in many ways, it's, uh, it's just electrons and don't mean nothing. Somebody else's point of view. Well, we were going to talk about meaning, and we'll get to that, I think, in uh, next week's podcast, unless something you know, really dramatic comes up that we should, uh, we should be looking at. Uh, so, I think, are you about ready to uh, go to Dog Central for, uh, for lunch? I am, and I think what we should do before we leave our listeners is just say, uh, don't look for happiness. Look for meaning. Look for meaning. And keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all in this together. together.